0: This week, I want to talk about the followers. Uh, we are part of a body, but Christ is the head. Amen? Christ is the head. That means that he is the one leading this gig, okay? This wagon train, however you want to look at it. He is the one that is up front. He is the one leading this thing. You know, in, in, um, in Acts chapter 11, it says that, that the disciples were first called uh, Christians in Antioch. And there was a ton of people who were adjusting their lives to a different way of thinking, a different way of living. And it was very new. It was also very different. It was the way, the way of grace and the way of love. And it totally contradicted religion. And it was encouraging a relationship with God. Um, And I want you to say this with me. It was the way of Of Jesus. Jesus. Say it again, the way of Jesus. Jesus. In fact, most of us are familiar with the Apostle Paul. We know he wrote most of the New Testament. You remember he he said um, that he persecuted the followers of the way. He persecuted, some of your Bibles say, he persecuted those who belonged to the way. In other words, he harassed and even killed some of the people. Who followed Jesus. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but that word Christian, you know, we call ourselves Christian. The word Christian, Christianos in the Greek, that literally means a follower of Jesus, someone who follows Jesus. I mean, people were living, uh, they were leaving their, their, their families, they were leaving their homes, they were leaving their jobs. And we know that Peter and, and James and John, they were all fishermen. They left everything. They started following Jesus. People were, were giving their very lives, literally laying down their lives. People were dying for the sake of Jesus. And there was a time when, um, when Peter was writing in one of his letters and he says, he said, but everyone, if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed but is to glorify God in this name and what that means is that the way they followed the way the way they followed the way would bring glory to the one that they followed okay to bring glory to something means to exalt the reputation of whatever it is that you're bringing glory to okay so the way that they followed the way was bringing glory to the one they followed. And we know that that was Jesus. Now, I, I was thinking about um, the scene in the Bible where, where Paul is, is in front of some pretty big wigs, um, especially King Agrippa, and he's having a conversation and he's trying to defend himself really, but he's talking about the gospel, he's really preaching the word, he's telling the good news. And Agrippa replies to Paul after Paul goes through his whole, whole org, uh, exhortation and says, "'In a short time you will persuade me "'to become a Christian.'" And what he was saying is that if I'm not careful, you're going to persuade me to follow Jesus. And this is what King Agrippa uh, was saying. Now think about this. I don't know if you know this, just real quick. King Agrippa, Herod Agrippa I, was the grandson of Herod the Great. You guys remember who Herod the Great was? He's the one that was trying to kill babies when Jesus was a baby, trying to get rid of the Messiah. You guys remember the story over in uh, Matthew chapter 2? Okay, Herod Agrippa I was also the the nephew of Herod Antipas who played a pretty big part in putting Jesus on the cross. You guys remember that? Okay. And so then you, he, here you got Agrippa, Herod Agrippa, who's kind of continuing the family tradition, if you will, of harassing Jesus. <laughs> okay. And this guy is, think of how aware he would have been of what's going on and the Jewish people around him. You know, he, he would have known the kind of lives that these Christians were living. He would have seen their devotion to Jesus. He would have seen the way that they loved each other. He would have seen the way they were so gracious. He would have seen the way that they were just blessed with peaceful lives, just possess such a peace. And then you get to this scene here in Acts 26 with with Paul, and he hears the truth. He hears the gospel. He hears kind of the whole story from from a man who is obviously zealous, from from a man who used to be a Christian killer. He hears this story, and he himself almost gets saved. Okay? You think, wow, you know, why did that happen? Because, listen, I, I think you all would agree, hopefully, the way of Jesus, the way that I'm talking about tugs on your soul. It tugs on your heart. If you've lived in this world very long, if you lived for the world, in the world, away from Christ, very long, when you heard of this peace and you've heard of this truth and you've heard of this new way of living, a a way of living that is not about confusion, that is about uh, peace, there's something about that that is appealing to you. Am I wrong? I mean, that's the way I got saved. My wife started sharing with me a totally different way of living, a totally different way of existing. And I was like, man, that sounds like something I need. And so I looked into it. A couple of years later, gave my life to Jesus. And now, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm walking in peace, the exact opposite of the way I was walking. Amen? So it tugs on your soul, it tugs on your heart. Um, but also, it's, because it's the way that we were created to live. God created us to live the way that Agrippa was seeing these people live. And so uh, it's the life that Jesus was leading us to live as well. So the question I wanna ask this morning, actually a couple questions, but I'll ask this one first. This is kind of the mother question, okay? Are, uh, how well am I following Jesus? Okay, if this is what God meant for us, if this is the way God meant for us to live and Jesus was leading us that way, by example, then how well am I following Jesus? And if you have to, depending upon your way, where you're at, and maybe all of us should, we could just cut off the first two words and just ask it that way. Am I following Jesus? Amen? We're Christians. We're gathered in a room. There's a hundred of us, and that's a great question for us to ask. Am I following Jesus? And we're kind of actually going to ask two questions this morning. How uh, are we led, and then how do we follow? So you can write those as like sub-questions. How are we led? How are we followed? And again, we're going to look again at the, at the Exodus, because in so many different ways we seen, as we've seen over the past several weeks. The Exodus paints a prophetic picture uh, of a spiritual Exodus. The physical Exodus paints a picture of how Jesus delivered us from the world. We've said that every week, so I'm not going to go into all that. The first thing I want you to write down, how we're led, is this. He leads us, and thank you, Sean, and thank you, Nick, for really discerning the Spirit this morning. He leads us with love. It's the first thing I want to talk about this morning, and it is the common thread this morning, that he loves us and he leads us with love. Remember whenever he first started engaging the Israelites, what did he say? What did he say to Moses by that burning bush? He said, I have, I have uh, seen the oppression of my people. And the implication is there, there is that I don't like it. I don't like that my people are oppressed. And then he says, I have heard their cry of distress. And so out of a heart of love, out of a heart of wanting to change things, he engaged the people of Israel and he brought them out of Egypt. We know that. And it's because he wants to be with us. He loves us and he wants to be with us. Remember in uh, Exodus 25, he said, build for me a tabernacle. Remember, we learned that tabernacle means dwelling place. He said, build this thing for me, this sanctuary, this tabernacle, so that I may dwell with him. Why does he want to do all this with us? Because he loves us. Amen? That is something that we've got to get into our head and in our heart, that he loves us. And then we look, we know the New Testament. We're super familiar with that. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We know that he, he loves us. He knows that he engages our hearts to follow him in love. We know that the word became flesh, made his dwelling among men, he came with love. And he, he's motivated to move and be active in our lives because of love. I think that's one of the, um, the hardest pictures that we have as believers is to understand that God's motivation towards us is love. First and foremost, love. And we talk about that. His first inclination towards us is love. And there's a great verse that I want to write down. I want you guys to write down. I want you to actually turn there. Because it's kind of an obscure verse if you've never read it. And I want you to mark it in your Bible. And it might say it in different ways in these different translations. But I'm reading out of it. Uh, I'm actually reading out of the NLT this morning. And it says this. Hosea 11. Go ahead and turn there. Chapter 4. Hosea 11, chapter 4. Now remember that Hosea was a prophet. He heard from God on behalf of the people. And look what he says. I led Israel along with ropes of kindness and love. Some of your versions say, I led Israel with my gentle cords. Okay? I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness, and I lifted the yoke from his neck, and I myself stooped to feed him. Have you ever read that verse? Man, what a great verse! I was reading a couple of commentaries and a very, very, very popular commentary is by Henry Clark. I want, you to, I want to read what he says about this verse. He says, this is a reference to leading strings, okay? And one end of which is held by a child, the other by its nurse, by which the little one, feeling some support, gaining some confidence, endeavors to walk. You guys hear that? This is, the, this is the verbiage that Hosea is using. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness, my gentle cords, uh, my ropes of kindness and love. It's a reference to leading strings. Everybody say leading strings. It's like walking and you got a rope tied to you. you know, some of y'all do that to your kids. You just strap them to your back and you just walk and they fall, then you drag them, you know? <laughs> so leading strings, leading rope, whatever you, dog leash, whatever it is that you use, Okay. One end of which is held by the child, the other by the nurse. Because remember back then they had, they had nurses and, and all kinds of stuff. By which the little one, feeling some support and gaining some confidence, endeavors to walk. God, their Heavenly Father, talking about Israel, made use of every means and method to teach them to walk in the right and only safe path. So you look at that scripture in Hosea, my ropes of kindness, my ropes of love. He leads us with love. You know, I think sometimes we have in our, in our head and in our heart that somehow God goes and grabs some barbed wire and then just wraps us with barbed wire and ties us to the back of his four-wheeler and drags us around the pasture. No. His desire is that we endeavor to walk that we walk with confidence and he's willing to put that string there, that, that, um, leading string into a walk. And sometimes he may walk a little faster. Sometimes he may walk a little slower and he knows which way to walk because he is actively involved. Amen. The Lord leads us with love. Now listen, Romans 13 verse 10 says that love is the fulfillment of the law. Okay. Some people still want to try to make their relationship with God or their dealings with God all about the law. You know, I follow the rules. I follow this. I follow. but you don't know God. See the law, it says the law is the fulfillment. I mean, the love is the fulfillment of the law. Sometimes the new covenant, the new Testament is called the covenant of love versus the law, which is the old covenant, the Mosaic covenant. Okay? We still want to try to walk, and, and it's just upright, and it's rigid, and man, I'm just going to obey. And we are supposed to obey, and we are supposed to follow God's laws, but our relationship with God has to be about love, not about the law. And in, in Christ, those two can coexist together, amen? And I thought about this in John 13. It says, a new commandment. Okay, that makes sense based upon what we just read in Romans 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. You guys see the picture? So also you should love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Another way of saying that is by your love, by responding to my love and loving one another, people will know that you follow me that you are a part of a body and that I am the head. I am the one leading the way. If you have, he goes on to say, love for one another. So my question, my little sub-question is this. We, we know that he leads us with love. Here's a question for you personally. Am, uh, am I, are you living a life of love? Okay, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time there. It's a simple question. I think we get it. Are you living, am I living a life of love? Am I loving the Father? and my understanding is love, do I see a leading string or a spool of barbed wire when I think of God, okay? Because depending upon how you view God is going to depend upon how you model or lead others in your life. If you got barbed wire in your brain, (laughs) guess what? You're not gonna be very nice to others. You're not gonna love others. Now, you may have that general, superficial, I love love. I love you kind of a look on Sunday mornings. Hey, I love you. How are you doing? Good. I love you, you know? But what about when the rubber meets the road and the body needs its members active? Will you love then? You will if you understand that God has been leading you all along with a leading string. Amen? Another question is this, or another way that God leads us is this. He leads us in righteousness, okay? He leads us in righteousness. Righteousness. In other words, think about what all was taking place. He's pulling them out of Egypt. We know that Egypt was lawless. They were godless. They did not love God. They, Pharaoh himself said, I don't know your God. So no, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let your people go. Okay, so it was this, this whole world of, of um, godlessness. Okay, and God's saying, you know what? I'm pulling you out of there and I'm gonna lead you in a new way and that way is in righteousness. I'm gonna set some new standards. Remember, he came down, Moses came down the mountain with the 10 commandments. You shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this. And it wasn't about what you don't do. It was really to promote what you should do. Amen? Okay, so I'm leading you in righteousness. He leads us in righteousness. And I thought about this, you guys. You know, scripture says that Jesus is the righteousness of God, right? You guys know that? Jesus is the righteousness of God. Last week we looked at some pictures and kind of the layout of the camp of Israel. You know what's interesting? We talked about it a little bit last week, but remember we said on the east side, the very first tribe that would uh, move when God said it's time to march. Do you all remember which tribe it was? The tribe of what? Judah. Okay. Now we know that Judah had the most number of people so that they would be able to fight very well when they led Israel. They were attacked. Judah's there, bowed up. We got a bunch of people. We're going to kick tail, take names, that whole thing. But you know what's also interesting? God was telling us something. He was reminding us that, or pointing ahead, that Jesus is the head. Hey, family, it's time for you to get moving. I want to remind you that Jesus is the head. How did he do that? A couple of different ways. For one, What tribe was Jesus a descendant of? The tribe of Judah. Jesus. was a picture of Jesus leading the family of God. Did you guys see that? Think of it this way. Um, And I can't remember the scriptures off the top of my head. I wasn't going to talk about this. But there's a scripture where it talks about how Jesus, when he comes, he will come in the east. He will come from the east. So the tabernacle always faced that way. And it always, not southeast, not northeast, east. It's a picture of Jesus is coming and he will lead his people. Amen? And so you see that he leads us in righteousness. He leads us through Jesus, by Jesus, for Jesus. The way of living that Jesus set before us. When Jesus walked on this earth, he said, I'm showing you a new and living way. I'm not getting rid of the law. I didn't come to abolish that, but I'm showing you a way that's adding to that, really more than that, fulfilling that, and I'm giving you my spirit, which allows you, gives you the power to fulfill that. So he... He um, leads us with love and he leads us in righteousness. So my sub-question here for us is, are we living a religious life or are we living a life of relationship? I'm sorry, a religious life or a righteous life? Wh- which one are we living? Are we kind of clinging to the law? Man, I'm, I'm, I've got this right. I've got this right. Because you remember what Jesus said? He was talking to some um, uh, Pharisees over in Matthew 5, and, and he has this whole conversation with them. And then he turns to his di- disciples and said, you know what? Unless your righteousness, unless your lives surpass or goes past that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So obviously it wasn't about religion because that's what the scribes and Pharisees were promoting it's all about religion. It's all about the law. It's all about these rules. And they, get, they started to even get ridiculous, these laws, these rules. And Jesus said, you know what? As you're on this journey, you need to make sure that your righteousness um, goes past the Pharisees. In other words, don't let those guys lead you. Who is leading? Righteousness himself, Jesus Christ. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. He leads us in righteousness. Am I living a religious life like the scribes and the Pharisees? I got all the rules I'm following. I show up. I tithe. I do all this. But is there a relationship? And is that relationship, uh, is that a springboard for imitating Christ and living righteously? Okay. Third thing is this. He leads us to the cross. We sang about it this morning. Okay. He leads us with love. He leads us in righteousness. And he leads us to the cross. You remember last week. I should have brought the picture this week. But if you remember the, the way that Israel camped in the desert, and the numbers were spelled out and all this. Remember it was in the form of what? A cross. If you were looking down the hills, and who are those people down there camping? And if you were to look at the, kind of the big picture, like those things in Peru, you know, those big, um, whatever they would call them, you look down. I just watched Indiana Jones last night, and so I... It's fresh in my mind. I forget what they're called. But if you're flying above, you can see these big things. If you're walking along, it looks like maybe just rocks or whatever. But if you're flying above, you can see these things. Well, if you were looking above at the camp of Israel in the desert, what you would have seen is the formation of a cross. Isn't that interesting? You would have seen the cross. Why? Because he's leading us to the cross. Everything was all about Jesus. What he wants us to understand is that the cross changes us if we allow it to. And what I mean by that is this. Uh, you think about uh, several things that Jesus said. He said it in three of the different Gospels. If anyone wishes to come after me, if anybody wants to follow me, be my disciple, however you want to say it. And he says this in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He must deny himself and take up his cross. Now we've heard that over and over, but that, that's the deal, He's leading us. And where is he leading us? To the cross. If anybody wants to follow me, he's got to take up his cross and follow me. One time he says he must take up his cross daily and follow me. Not a one-time deal, but he paints a picture. This is a daily thing. And that um, taking up his cross is a picture of dying to yourself. If you're following me, then you're you're truly following me. Not your desires, not your stuff. You're following me. And I will lead you in the way um, that is best because I am the way. Any other way to the Father isn't going to cut it. You've got to follow me. I am the way, the, the new and living way, he says one time. Okay? And there's one scripture, it's going to be up the PowerPoint. He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. You guys, this isn't talking about that one time, uh, you know, I walked an aisle and I said, yeah, this is all good. This is talking about a daily surrender and walk with Jesus. Not just a walk with Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, I'm walking with you. Man, I'm sure sorry that you carried a cross. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Listen, if you're walking with Jesus, you're taking up a cross. And he says, unless you're willing to take up a cross, you are not worthy to follow after me. So my question is, well, he leads us to the cross. What's one of the ways that he leads us? He leads us to the cross. So my question for us, my question for you is, am I living for myself, Or am I dying to myself? Wow. Remember what I said? All these questions are very important. How well am I following Jesus? Am I living a life of love? Am I living uh, a religious life? Or am I living a righteous life? Am I living for myself or dying to myself? There's a time where the disciples were having conversations and Jesus was talking about how I'm going to the cross, I'm going to die. Very I'm with you right now, but very soon I will be in you. I'm di- I'm going to I'm going to die. And Peter's like, Oh, this ain't good, this ain't good, You're, this ain't gonna happen. And we know some of the stories, but here, and um in John 13, verse 36, Peter says to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus said, Where I go, you can't follow me now. You can't do it. But you will follow later. And listen, when he says that, he's saying. Just because you can't follow me now does not mean that taking up your cross and dying is not still the requirement. He's just saying, I'm not going to um, cause you or allow you to do that now. There's something that you need to wait for later. I think if we're in tune with the word, we know what that was. What was it? The Holy Spirit, and that's the last thing this morning I want to talk about. He leads us by His Spirit. He leads us by the Spirit of God of God. John 13, uh, sixteen thirteen says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will, not, he will guide you. You guys see that word? He will lead you. He will guide you. He will not be presenting His own ideas. He will be telling you what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. And then the scripture that we have up there this morning is Romans eight fourteen. All who are led, and we talked about the scripture last week, all who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God, the daughters of God, the children of God, the family of God. If you are someone that is constantly led by your own desires, worldly thoughts, the flesh, man, go back to question number one, am I following Jesus? So my question, my little sub-question for you this morning is, am I living for my flesh or by His Spirit? And in case you don't know the difference, living for my flesh means that my actions, my attitudes as a lifestyle revolve around me, (laughs) my pleasures, my desires, my wants, my needs, my everything. In other words, it's all about me. If that is consistently the life that you uh, live, then Scripture says you're not living by the Spirit. And the question you'd have to go on to ask is, well then, are you a child of God? I mean, isn't that like, that's the way you would reason that, right? You know what I mean? It's like if you went to, I don't know, I was going to say a stupid example. Never mind, forget that. I was about to go south real quick. But that's kind of the last question. So are you living for the flesh or are you living by His Spirit? What What is motivating you to take every step, to take any step? Is it the spirit or is it the flesh? And so you look at that and you see in all of these things, obviously, uh, Scripture says that Jesus himself is love. Scripture says that Jesus himself is righteousness. We know that Jesus, uh, for the joy set before him, like Nick said this morning, or Sean, the joy set before him endured that cross. Because he loved us, he came and and hung on that cross. And then we know that God is one, but God is three, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. God is leading us by his Spirit. And you know what? How do you see that in the, we talked about this before, how do you see that in Israel? Because what led Israel all through the desert? Cloud by day pillar of fire by night. I said this a couple of weeks ago, but both of those things are a type or a picture or a prophetic pointing of the Holy Spirit. And really, literally literally was, I believe, the Holy Spirit. Amen? So let's stand. And I think that the Lord has really ministered things in our hearts this morning already through the worship, through, uh, through what Sean prayed and shared, and Nick prayed and shared. And I think that this really is like uh, sealing the deal this morning, okay? It's, It's totally true, Nick. God was doing something, and the songs that Sean picked were perfect. The words that you and Ava and everybody, I mean, it's just great. So what's God saying to us? He's asking these questions. I think he's asking them to us personally. Are you living a life of love? Are you living a life of religion or righteousness? Are you trying to live a, a, a religious life? Or are you actually pursuing a righteous life? A standard that is that is and you know, I've said this before, I'll say it one more time. Jesus said a couple of different things a couple of different times. You've heard it say, said, do not murder. Ten commandment, right? He said, I am telling you, don't even think ill of anyone in your heart, or you have committed murder. Jesus said, you, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. I'm telling you, if you even lust after a man or a woman in your heart, you have committed adultery. And so the standard wasn't lowered with Jesus. It was raised, and we were giving, given the Holy Spirit and supernatural grace to live out that new standard. Amen? Amen. Don't, let, don't, let, uh, don't let any false te- teachings deceive you. We are living in an age where grace has been watered down. Okay, grace is permission to do whatever the snot you want to. That's not true, is it? It's not biblical. Grace is the empowerment for us to live the standard that Jesus put before us. Amen. As we follow the head of the church, as we follow Jesus Christ, who is the righteousness of God, that is the standard. So uh, something you can ask yourself daily is, (laughs) WWJD. (laughs) No, really, if I'm doing this, sorry. If I'm doing this, or I'm about to think this, or I'm about to move in this direction... Is this the direction that the righteousness of God would go? And I say that as a, as a daily failure, you know, and most of us are because we all fall short. But that is a great question, isn't it? I want to pray over you and I want to ask the Lord to, um, to massage this truth into our heart. Everything from his love to his righteousness uh, to the to hopefully the desire to to lay down our lives, you know, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. If we lay down our lives, if we sacrifice our heart and our desire, God will raise up what he wants to raise back up. And you will be satisfied. Why? Because God did the raising. But if you try to do the protecting of your dream, your desire, your decision, your whatever, you will walk forward miserably. Why? Because you weren't led by the spirit. You were led by the flesh. Amen? That's the way that works. And so be willing to to take up your cross. Be willing to sacrifice whatever it is, knowing that after it is dead, after it has been laid down, after it has been placed on the altar, whatever God wants to resurrect, He will resurrect, and your soul will be satisfied. Amen? All right. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray right now that...